You're listening to the Let's Talk Knicks podcast. Follow us on Instagram at let's underscore talk underscore Knicks or on Twitter at Let's Talk Knicks. Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Knicks podcast where we talk New York Knicks basketball and other news around the NBA. Very special episode today with my dear, dear friend, Marcus Chinqui. How the hell are you? Uh, we're creeping back up because I had a little technical difficulties trying to get this started, but... <laughs> Last well, couple episodes, yeah. I think we're in a good place now. So, uh, made it to episode forty. Still working out the kinks, but I think we're doing all right. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I think I in the intro, I might have forgotten to introduce myself. I am Jason Talbot. <laughs> for for the record, uh, but as I said, Dad, episode forty, a pretty special episode. Uh, we're pretty excited here. At Let's talk Knicks. We. Had a little guest previously recorded, our now new friend, I would say, Gary Vaynerchuk. Friend of the may show. Know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, friend of the show, big fan. We we are both former employees of VaynerMedia, and that's how we kind of got introduced uh, to this internet beast that is Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> and yeah, it was really cool talking to him. I, I uh, had a good time. How How are you feeling? about about the interview it was a good 30 minutes i think it went i mean he got a little hot there at the end but uh didn't see that coming so like as most of you know he's diehard jets fan knows his knicks so it felt only right that uh we have him on the show and talk some sports talk some nba talk some knicks and i think it went pretty well yeah, and, you know, we always like to open every show talking some Knicks, and then usually we, we'll close out by just talking, I mean, basic nonsense, uh, to, <laughs> to be honest. Whatever but, feels good. Yeah, and so I honestly just wish we had a little more time with him to talk. Uh, I think as you'll listen, it just, uh, before we knew it, time was up and, and Gary was gone. But the fact that he was able to take 30 minutes out of his day uh, to come talk to us was really really something and a really nice gesture and we were just extremely appreciative and i had a great time i think you did as well and hey without without further ado let's uh let's cut to the interview okay we are here with content creator extraordinaire acclaimed entrepreneur new york times best-selling author co-founder and ceo of VaynerMedia, and the list goes on if you don't know who gary vaynerchuk is Get with the program, people. Gary V, thank you so much for joining the Let's Talk Next podcast. I gotta ask you, how the hell are you? It's a, listen. It's a challenging time. I think you know, 2020 came in hot and has decided to never let us forget it. I respect 2020. 2020, like, <laughs> yeah. Yo, I'm I'm about to do this. She's a she's a beast. Um, I um, I'm doing well. You know, we kind you know my family is well and healthy. And, um, and that's really kind of it, you know, after that, um, the businesses, you know, have taken some real hits, but you know, you sign up for entrepreneurship and you go through it and, uh, and I've been leaning into sports cards. So that's been fun. Yeah. And, we do, we do uh, following. I've been using that as my escapism and my enjoyment. Um, and sports cards got me through, uh, through school and, 
you know, are, are uh, it's a great hobby and uh, and I'm really excited to be here for you guys. I really wanted to do this. I'm hoping, you know, you get to this place in your career where you realize that you got some juice and what do you do with that juice, right? Whether that is money and donate to the right things, but you know, it's a lot easier sometimes to donate money than it is to allocate 30 minutes to somebody when you know that you're gonna be a guest on their podcast and that's gonna be a leverage point for them. So I'm really excited to be here with you. Yeah, we're glad you're doing this. This is awesome. And if you uh, if you recall, last time you and I spoke, we had to do a, a video for a friend of mine that was getting married. That's this guy. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that's me. And now we got yeah. we got a baby on the way too in October. That's what's so up, man. Just... Congratulations, Mazel Mazel. That's amazing stuff. What's good? Um, amazing. Yeah, th- everything is going great. Um, yeah, thanks again. Yeah, for being on here, we we appreciate it so much. And um, yeah, more than anything, I mean, we just want to talk some Knicks with you to, to get this thing going. I mean, that's yeah. let's talk Knicks. That's what it's Wide all about. West in the building. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the first question we really want to ask is like, we just want to get a little bit of background of like your Knicks fandom, how and when you became a Knicks fan. And I, be, I, I think the bigger question is like, why are you still a Knicks fan? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we get, we get asked that all the time. Yeah. So lots of things here and it's very, you know, it's ironic that I'm wearing a Jets hat because it's a good parallel. <laughs> it's a good parallel. Um, so I, I became a Jets fan in 1982. I was seven. I started to learn English. The NBA was in a shitty spot. I actually think the 1982 NBA uh, finals were on tape delay. I remember around 83, we had some weird, we finally got, cable in 84 but it wasn't cable it was like channel nine would kind of like show like sixers jazz like i didn't even know the sport then they built a basketball court in the development that i lived in basketball came a little later for me i still to this day like you know it's really interesting my relationship with basketball so um i uh i didn't i didn't play a whole lot i played some but i like was really not strong and little as a kid and so even in high school i shot like this it took me a while to like in college I, I kind of formed my basketball life from a playing standpoint, but um, but from a fan standpoint, it was Ewing, right? It was 84, you know, Ewing hit my radar at Georgetown. I'm like, who is this scary man? <laughs> and why does he play with other children? Because he was such a man amongst <laughs> boys. And then you kind of, you know, I was 10. <clears throat> so the, like, it was all about the lottery that hit my radar. It was on the news and then we win it. Whether it was fixed or not, I have no idea, but yeah, we want like, it. You plant the frozen envelope? <laughs> you know, I hope. I hope. You know. Well, listen, actually, we didn't get a title. But listen, I love Patrick Ewing so much. It's really uncomfortable, actually. Um, I We got Ewing rookie year, and and then I'm I'm pot committed, and his first fucking play is dunking over Moses Malone. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so, and then Mark Jackson with a throw behind the back and the fucking this. And so 86, 87 really got going. It really got hot. I mean, when they came back from down 2-0 against the Celtics and won three in a row, that was fucking, t- that took uh-huh. me to, a, when, we won ga- when we won a clinching game at the Garden, that took me to a totally different place. And then it got bazooka crazy the second Riley got here and it felt like something was happening. You know, my high school years were 90 to 94. I mean, I almost literally got an Xavier McDaniel tattoo in, in high school. <laughs> Um, Man, those I, are the best years. I mean, those were the best years. I was also in high school, so I could watch. I was watching fucking 80 games a year partial because I was a huge Rangers fan too. 94 was like a, a wet dream. I was a senior in high school. I had a car. My dad at that point had a liquor store that was doing enough business that beer distributors would give him tickets. So 
that was crazy. And then my professional career started and all my sports fandom really got hurt because the NFL stayed because on Sundays, 16 times a year, I could manage that when I was working 24 seven. But, but baseball and hockey and basketball got really affected because it was weeknights and I was working till nine or 10 PM. So, you know, the Knicks fandom, like when the Ewing trade happened, Vin Baker, I was still Marbury, I was still very in it. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, obviously when it got good that you know, it's funny, I'm a Knicks fan, but I'm embarrassed to say I'm a Knicks fan because the way I can I think about myself as a Jets fan, I don't miss plays. I know everything about everything. I've not had that experience with the Knicks the last 20 years because of my professional career. Two years ago, three years ago, got real serious again because we moved our office to Hudson Yards, only a block from the garden. And I've worked hard to amass the ability to buy real tickets. So sitting courtside and things of that nature. Plus my notoriety grew. And so guys started following me and I could start having relationships, you know, like DMing with Porzingis and the prime of Porzingis. It was like amazing, you know? So, so um, I'm really, you know, my, my son is getting older and he knows, I mean, my son knew what George Gervin's number was the other day when I asked him if he he knew who George Gervin was. And he said, San Antonio Spurs superstar number 44. I didn't know Gervin's number. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, know that either. So, so, my, so my son's on his way. And I think that, you know, I do have dreams of, you know, six years from now, him taking an Uber from school, coming to the office, hanging out with old dad, and then us walking, sitting. You know, I, I couldn't even get tickets. Couldn't afford tickets or sat in the bleach. You know, he's gonna he's got a little bit of a privileged life. But... But I, I think my Knicks fandom is growing um, and has grown over the last three or four years. My basketball fandom has grown over the last three or four years. Three years ago, I got seriously into sports cards and I'm completely focused on basketball cards. So, you know, I would have never known this much about Jaron Jackson, you know, sure. or, or Tyler Hero. I, I just wouldn't know this, you know, cards and video games is why I knew everything. Cards and video games is why my son knows everything. I'm not going to be in video games, but the cards are definitely going to keep me in it. And so um, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be a Knicks fan. Um, You know, I haven't felt the same devastation in the last 25 years as everybody else. Though, every time they had a little something, like when Shumpert hurts his knee against the Heat, I start crying in Florida because I was there at the time. Not at the game. I was on a family vacation. So, So, you know, I'm the kind of really good fan who really gets going when they're good, but I hate that fan on the jet side who's only there when it's good. So I'm a Knicks enthusiast looking to become even a bigger fan and was a crazy fan from 85 to 98, to 90, to 2000, to 2000. Then my career just got so busy. I lost all. I, mean, kind of, I literally when my, the Knicks were at the top too, so. Yeah, and, and there was some in between years, but you're right. That absolutely was easier to be a fan, which I'm embarrassed of. But, but bringing up, like, just to say where I was with the Knicks until I got really busy professionally, I called my brother's school and asked to speak to him and said it was an emergency to tell him that we traded for Marbury. You know, <laughs> so, so I was still really in it even as we kind of get our way out of the yeah. years. It's just that my life from 2004 till today has gotten really, really crazy. I, you know, started family, I got busy. Uh, real, real busy, and weekdays became no longer home at seven thirty-eight. They became home at eleven p.m., which, as you can imagine, completely eliminates fandom. Yeah, 
And I think that, I, I mean, for football, you know, you got games every Sunday, maybe a Monday. It's so much easier to follow. I mean, I know Marcus and I are even struggling. 82 games is a lot of games a year to follow. And with the Knicks kind of sucking for the last, most of the last 20 years, it makes it even that more tough. And I think that's why we were asking too, like, you know, I, we've heard you on some interviews being pretty positive about the Knicks future. I mean, they're making new moves right now with Leon Rose and everything else. And we're just trying to get more excited look, about the Knicks. I was super future. positive last year. We had, you know, we're going to, we have a lot of balls to get a top pick. You right. felt that if you got a top three pick, it was going to be really, really good. Obviously, cliche Knicks, you know, Ja and Zion <laughs> are much further along than RJ, you right. know, in basketball talk. Um, so you, you thought, you know, I mean, listen, I'm like every other fucking Knicks fan. Yeah, I had Zion and fucking Durant. I was a Kemba over Kyrie <laughs> guy. So I was in the fucking Zion, Durant, Kemba fucking dream. And, you know, that didn't work out. <laughs> it's always it's always like the, we see it coming and then there's a sigh of just like, ugh, again, with the Knicks. I'll be transparent. I didn't see the Knicks having the offseason they had last year. I didn't see a scenario where we wouldn't get a top star. And it was probably the most down, you know, last year was the first time you really can, you could be on, you could be practical in saying this isn't gonna happen. You know, you really could. The other thing yeah. with the NBA that's weird is like people don't let kids develop in with judgment. I mean, look what, I was in my, so I have a huge Knicks thread, 30 friends. We go in at it, you know, same shit everybody does. Yeah. And, I, and me and my brother AJ were huge Frank supporters all the way through and you saw Frank take a step last year. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm Mr. Frank. This is your guy. This is drafted him. I just, I think Look, you I can't also, teach length and defense like that. I love um, you for and, that. I love you and, for that. Like Frank's and I'm always going to support him and I hope we don't give up on him too quick. By the way, by the way, that's the end. You know, kudos to you. You can't teach a new generation's Derek Harper right. at 19 fucking years old. What the fuck's the matter? Nick fans want to ship Knox we don't know what Knox is for three and a half years. Yeah. Like, 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 I don't, like, some guys develop later. Like, they're fucking children. Yeah, and that's what, like, we go back and forth on that all the time. That, like, yeah, Knox, he comes in, he was the youngest guy in the draft. And it's like, okay, he's, his body is, looks older than he is. And do you still give him time to figure that out? He still has to figure out how to move on the court and, properly. And Kev's face looks older, too. He's got... You know, it looks like a 29 to 32 year old face. It's like that Robert Parrish, Greg, <laughs> yeah. Greg Oden shit. That you know, Greg like, Oden. <laughs> well, Greg Oden looked like he was 63. Greg's a great dude, by the way. I just met him for the first time in an event. What a sweet man. And what a tough thing to probably have to live through, right? Like if you think about like mm -hmm. being a first pick overall bust, that's a lot of anxiety and, and you have to work through that. Nonetheless, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, when I look at Frank and I look at RJ and I look at Kevin, you know, and I look at Mitchell, like, why not? Like, yeah. like I, you, you know, again, my lack of NBA knowledge in that twenty-year period. But I'm go and correct me if I'm wrong. Please call me out. But like, sure. it felt to me that like Tony Parker took a little while to develop. Right? Like, I remember those first yeah. couple of years. Like, I remember the headlines. Like, you know, like maybe you two can do a better job than I can. Like, there are several people that year three and year four was the click moment. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I remember thinking back to with KP and you're like, okay, he, yeah, he was good the first season and a half that he was there. And then you start to see him take that next step in his, what was it? His third year before he got hurt. And that's what a lot of these, a lot of these guys, they, their rookie contracts are only for three, three or four years. 
and you expect them to all be all stars by then. And some guys just don't I'm super hot develop that fast. I'm super, I'm super hot on investing in Devin Booker. Oh, I love Devin Booker. And people and love people him. are mad at me in the sports card world. They're like, you're just shilling shit. I'm like, really? He's 23. His fucking data's off the charts. He wants to be famous. You know, yeah. like 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 if there's anybody to bet on that's like got that chance to be a celebrity star player, it's Devin. It's dropped 70 in a game. Do you know how hard that is? Like Let's talk facts now. <laughs> yeah, we could. The Knicks could use some scores too. I would say. Um, and piggybacking off that, I mean, is there anything you know in your line of work? I, I mean, you get to meet some of these athletes. You just talked about getting to meet Craig Oden, some and some other players. Like, is there something as fans that maybe we don't get to see uh, on the court that you get to see when you meet these players? Like 100%. some of these, like these intangibles. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, what a fucking humbling moment for me the last five years of all the shit I would talk or think prior to having access to realize. I mean, for example, you know, I, I own with my brother Vayner Sports. We rep football players. Like, like I've been unbelievably right about iconic busts in the last three NFL drafts because I know who they are as human beings. I wish I mean, we had more of an insight of that. Yeah, it's like it's it's yeah. So I mean, it's it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's it's and, and the other cool I mean I I heavily recruited Le'Veon Bell and Kevin Durant personally. You're you know, you're, you're, players. you're you were supposed to be in the room for <laughs> you know, listen, I just I just talked to them on text, DM, FaceTime, phone calls for weeks. I, I mean bothered KB, you know, I, I, sh I should publicly apologize how much energy I was putting against that. Because I wanted him in Europe more than breathing. It's a beast. I think KD is a wildly underrated all time basketball player. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I would have rather had him than Kyrie, but... Yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm very curious to see people like, oh, he's older and come back from the injury. I'm like, his game doesn't need him to jump out the building. That dude can shoot from half court. Exactly. You know, when it looks, you look at some of these guys, yeah, he's 6'11", and they're always worried about, you know, with the knees coming back from any you know kind of lower extremity injury, but... My, my, other, thing is, like, my other thing is, like, did anybody watch the NBA Finals that the two that he was in? Like this this whole not one foot doing, this, doing this, all that. This whole like he needed other guys. He went to Golden State. Like I just want to remind everybody, it's not super complicated. They only won one without him. Yeah, that's like true. This, the, the vibes out here are like they won seven. And like you said, I, exactly. oh, by the way, games oh too. by the way, they only won one. Oh by the way, they were down three one to Oklahoma City. Yeah, you're probably like like like. This narrative, and by the way, I'm obsessed with Draymond as like a competitive four. I, like when I see Draymond, I see myself like sheerly willing things to success. Steph is yeah. an all-time great human dude, not to mention just a fun basketball player. Like I think Clay's underrated, ironically enough. Like so, but like, has any, did anybody watch those finals? Like, like is everyone so sure that they would have been so dominant if KD was in at? You know, in at the a different team, and those teams would have to go up against LeBron, like or or you know, like like I don't. I mean, I I wasn't on like the Stephen A. train saying that it was like you know the weakest move in sports to go join them, but I think everyone oh, listen, was looking listen, at it like you know they were seventy three win team. Listen, and I'm a, beat them, I'm, but I'm listen, I'm I'm unbelievably empathetic to the narrative. Yeah. Uh. I just also try to remind my friends when we get into it, like, do you understand how good this player is? My big thing for him is, my big thing for him is, um, I, you know, I think he wins another championship or two. And 
And and if he wins it as like the alpha, like in Brooklyn, or if he wins it as like one B or the two, four years later in Washington or whatever fuck he decides to do. Yeah, man, I just, I don't think people, like the, the argument of the injury fascinates me. I think the, the point with the knee is right. Like the, you know, but his game doesn't require, I mean, it's like, like Vince Carter turned himself into a shooter and was flying all over yeah. the gym. Like this guy is a shooter. Yeah. I think, I think when he comes back, he'll let everybody know. Oh, right, right, right. Kevin Durant. That, guy, that guy's <laughs> I, really good. I, by the way, the <laughs> yeah. biggest reason I'm buying Kevin and, Durant rookie cards like crazy is I think he comes out and he's chippy, right? Yeah. Like as a person, he's chippy, which I fucking love. So I think he's going to come out and try to like hurt somebody's feelings. Like I, like I think KD considers, you know, cause some of these guys can do it. I think he considers dropping 60 cause he just decided to. Yeah. And I say sure. all the time, the Eastern Conference is pretty weak overall. Yep. So I think his life is going to be a lot easier uh, as well, just just from the competition standpoint for most yep. of the games at least. Yeah, it'll um, be interesting to see. I don't know what – I'm undereducated to the point of knowing what free agency looks like next year or how it works out with this year or whatever, but like things could change real fast with free agency. Yeah. And I'm, I mean I'm curious like with you, you said – you're starting to get to know all of these guys and with what you do with Vayner Sports and stuff. So Leon Rose coming in as an agent into the role he's in now as the president, how how well do you think he's actually going to do? Like, are those... Is there that big of a benefit coming from the agency, from an agent role? No, I don't think it's a benefit. I th- And I don't know Leon, but I have a lot of friends who really think he's a great dude. So I'm hopeful to meet him at some point. I think he... I think it has nothing to do with the agent part. It has to do with his human capability. You know, and so you could be an agent, you could be a coach, you could be a non-agent. I think there's a lot into talent evaluation. I mean, back to Golden State. How did Golden State get there? You draft Draymond, Steph, and Clay. And I think, um, no, I think I don't think it's going to be a free agent game for the Knicks because it surely doesn't look like a destination spot for the top guys right now. Right. It's going to be who's the sixth pick in the draft if that's our bouncy ball and how do we get, you know, a Steph or a D Wade or, you know, somebody who's, you know, a couple slots down, you don't need the first pick every time, you know, a couple slots down. And so you got to draft well in this league period of the story. Yeah. And, and, that, and you, that comes back to you saying, you know, developing and being patient, patient. because patient. Right. Well, you know, been trying to I, patience I, I, for two years. So. I mean, when I, when I saw, somebody talked about underrated players in basketball and I saw Gallinari's name on it and it just hurt. Yeah. You know, and like the way Rizzo's career played out, you know, like, it's in my mind. Like when when you think about, when you think about Ariza and Gallinari in the last seven years, you know, that would have been a nice foundation that might've given a superstar the confidence to come. And now, I mean, now there's even talk of trying to get Gallinari back. This uh, he's a free agent now, but you know, because story all together. Like I'm, what we're talking about here, and every Nick fan that's listening that, quote unquote, has some real knowledge. Like, you know, this is the same old game. You know, when we all wanted trades for McDice or fucking yeah. Harrington, whatever the fucking <laughs> trades were, right? Like, you know, like Randolph or whatever the fucking trades were. You know, the question you ask, fan, the question I always ask my friends is like, well, here we are. And wouldn't it have been nice to have those assets? Like, like you know, I, patience really matters. And I think New York's in a coma with the Knicks. We're so fucking on tilt. 
that we actually are as dog shit as it's been. I think if somebody came in here and said, I'm building from youth and I'm not fucking around. And like, and if I pick somebody young that I think is good and then after three years, I don't love it. I'm going to trade it for another fucking first round pick. Cause I'm just going to keep building youth. I think a lot of people would sign up for that. I would. And they've been talking about of like trying to do that, but a certain somebody well, always they, gets in the way and listen, things, you know, things I'm, go sideways. I'm, I'm, I'm undereducated on where Dolan's influence has been on making Mills and others do shit or not do shit. I'm really am. I definitely think he's a very interesting character and I think everything stems from the top. So that's just true life. Um, but, but I think, I think a lot of times he becomes the villain when GMs have made some really bad calls and, and I think GMs have come here to be opportunistic at times, you know, at this, at this point, it's all upside. Any GM for the Knicks in perpetuity until it gets good, it's all upside. It's been so bad for so long that if it fucks up, well, whatever, it wasn't your fault. It was Dolan's. And if it fucking hits, you're a fucking king in the biggest city in the world for the rest of your life. That's and- my big question. That's where I think, we, listen, if I was a superstar in the NBA, I would sign with the Knicks, get on the podium and be like, I'm fucking, I'm going to be, I'm the fucking guy. I, w- I was going to ask you too, like, do you think, you know, they've hired a branding consultant and Steve Stout. And- Who's the best? Big shout out to Stout. Do you think the Knicks can brand themselves better to attract talent or is it going to have think, to be think, a savior? I think, in that I, think, sense? I think the practice facility in Westchester is a problem. Yep. We've talked about that. I think that is, that, that's no something sense. they need to think about heavily. I think there's a brand issue. I think the Oakley thing rubbed a lot of people the wrong way that decided to say fuck you to the Knicks. But I still think there's going to be a kid that comes along and realizes the logic of being the man that brings it to New York and what that means in terms of power, money, happiness, fun, fame, interesting stuff, nonprofits, social injustice, everything that kid's about and coming to New York and fucking doing it. I actually think Booker is a... Is a uh, I was going to say. I do think Booker... <laughs> might be in play, you know? I, what's he, two more years before he's free agent? Three, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it's three, but. I think, I think he's in play. But when you get close to the end of those contracts, you know, they, they, there's always a move to be made. So I, I and, hope well, we're able to make a big splash. Like you yeah. said, we're developing assets. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I'm tired. I think, I think the Knicks fans are tired. Like, fuck that, fuck that. Like trading Knox and Frank when they're actually now good for Booker to, to a year early, no, fuck that. Let's right. fucking wait and fucking just get him to sign with us. We're always in this dog shit position. See, and that's like the classic Nick move everyone assumes is going to happen. But you look at like when Melo came, if they had just waited three more months, you'd have all those guys still, they'd all been developed. They all still really good. And then you bring in the superstar that wanted to be there. And I feel like he was that guy that wanted it, but he didn't have anybody around to do it with him. So... Yeah, listen, listen, I'm a humongous Mellow fan. You know, it's funny that the two like kind of premier Nick players and they had very different Nick careers, but it's very clear it's Mellow and, and Patrick and unbelievably underappreciated by Nick fans. Ewing is a, I mean, I, Ewing is a travesty. I got it on today. Got the Mellow Ewing, t-shirt. Ewing, Ewing's relationship with the Knicks fan base is a fucking travesty. I mean, listen. I'm a fucking 44-year-old Knicks fan. That means I love Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, and fucking Starks. I mean, I fucking love Rolando Black, but I, Greg Anthony, like, I'm deep on it. <laughs> Let there be no confusion. 
let there be no confusion. Patrick Ewing didn't sniff a second good player. That good is unfair. In the way we talk, in the way we all talk, and I hate Pippen, but I'll give him that. There is no Pippen yeah. during Ewan's run. There's no Shaq and Kobe, really. Like, like you know, like Pau Gasol, like and Kobe, like, like sh- show me, show me. Like, if Patrick Ewing had a sniff of like, Hort- if Patrick Ewing had Otis Thorpe on his team instead of Charles <laughs> Oakley, the Knicks would have won that championship. Like, I, I, you know, I think it's a. Uh, I give Elijah a lot, a lot of credit because he gets that one and then they brought an older Drexler for the next one and things of that nature. But like, there's not an awful lot of good, like there's, it's, you're, gonna, you're gonna be very hard pressed to show me an NBA championship when the second best player was somebody worse than Starks and Oakley. Patrick Ewing, people didn't watch. The problem is kids pontificate about shit they didn't watch or people like, you don't understand what Ewing meant. To, like a seven game series, against the Bulls in their fucking prime with what, Gerald Wilkins? Like, yeah. <laughs> people, people don't understand what Patrick Ewing was doing to Bill Cartwright or to Rick Smits. He was clowning them. People don't understand. Defensive, they don't understand, they don't. I'm fucking tired of this bullshit. Patrick Ewing, are you fucking kidding? Like, I'm serious again. There's a reason Reggie Miller didn't get close because he didn't have a number. And by the way, Antonio, De- like, and by the way, Jalen Rose and like fucking like like I'm telling you like we're Nick fans so we glamorize Oakley and fucking Starks and Mason. These guys aren't in the universe of the number twos of the people that have won championships over the last three decades. I mean, the the one thing I was like kind of one little silver lining I took out of watching the Last Dance was kids now watching all that stuff. They're like, wait a minute. The Knicks were actually good in the '90s. Like they don't seeing them. Like they took the Bulls to seven games. They beat them in '94. Like and by the way, and by the way, fuck Michael Jordan for that bullshit that the Pacers. <laughs> he fucking did that on purpose. That's how much he hates yeah. the Knicks. <laughs> fuck you. It wasn't even close. We took fucking seven game series. Like fucking, we played those fuckers. That like fuck him. Fuck him. Oh man, Bulls, yeah. Pacers. Pa- fuck the Pacers. Pacers were. F- and. And, and even through all of it, man, I, I mean, that's why I think we started the podcast. Like, we're still Nick fans, and we want to be there when it turns around. I'm not, I'm not going to jump ship to another team. For and, what? And it's like, oh, yeah. This is the the Jet, I'm waiting for that Jets Super of Bowl. Of course. Of course. It's the, I, the, I, process, I mean, the process is the best. It's And, and, like, I, and I think we're, like, know, we're talking you know, about it. For everybody who's listening, because i got to go to my next meeting, I apologize. For everybody who's listening, you know who sucks? 15-year-old warrior fans. Yeah. <laughs> They're not real. They're fake. They're soft. We're fucking real. We fucking eat dog shit. It's super easy to put on a curry jersey when you live in fucking St. Louis. Like, like this is real shit. Like, fuck warrior fans. Like, yeah. all bandwagon. Oh, I follow LeBron. No, you don't. You don't have self-esteem and you need to fucking associate yourself with a winner. Nick fans, real Nick fans are fucking winners out here. We were there watching Othella Harrington get get minutes. I mean, we've been through some. some, some no, Othella Harrington put work in that Pacers series that knocked out the Pacers. That are always people have this fantasy land that the Pacers own us. They don't own shit. We own them. That's the thing. We watching them. between between the Heat and the Pacers. We had the winning records against all of them in the playoffs. It's like, like I don't know. I laugh when people talk. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I got old and forgot. I'm like, no, we own them. <laughs> Fucking, we own them. 
Like the Heat needed a fucking PJ fucking Brown bullshit. Fucking the Pacers needed fucking Reggie pushing off. I mean, how the fuck <laughs> they didn't call that? Like we, they were way better us in 98. We fucking clowned them. Fuck them. Fuck Reggie. Fuck fucking Alonzo. Fuck you, Tim Hardaway. Senior. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, we fucking, yeah. we were an eight seed and fucking, fucking, in that one playoff run alone, we fucking eight seeded the fucking Heat and beat the fucking Pacers when everybody thought it was going to be a wrap. I mean, that's music to my ears to hear that, announce that to the world. Like, let people remember that the Knicks, the Knicks were owning these teams and, Pacers had us in 94. We went to fucking Indiana, beat the fuck out of them, came back home and finished it up. <laughs> Hear oh, about the man. fucking Pacers. One lucky night. <laughs> and everybody wants to make Reggie out to be a fucking shit. No, why don't we talk about when Patrick Ewing went game one when the Bulls were at their most superpowers and we walked in in 92, 93, or 91, 92, I'm trying to remember the year. Walked in game one and fucking Ewing hit a three from the corner. We fucking beat him in game one and everyone's oh, like, yeah. total shock. Why don't we talk about that? Why when we took them to seven, they were the ultimate, they were at their ultimate. I think they won their second or third championship there. The second, I think. Like they were fucking completely unbeatable. We took them to seven games with Ewing and a bunch of rugrats. <laughs> a young Mason and Starks from the CBA, Gerald Wilkins. Like oh, man. seven fucking games. Let, let, let's give these, let's give Patrick Ewing credit. Fuck. Yeah. We're we're with you on the Patrick Ewing support. Even when Oakley is still go buy on, another on Twitter. Thing. Marcus was the first guy out there, I think, responding. Charles, like, Yo. listen, I love Charles Oakley more than anybody, as much as everybody. I lived mm -hmm. through it. I had an Oakley jersey before I had a Ewing jersey. I love Oak. But let there be no confusion because transparency matters. Charles Oakley's best friend for life has been Michael Jordan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let their Nick fans do not get confused. Michael Jordan's full of shit in Last Dance that he fucking thought the Pacers were their toughest rival. There's not, no data <laughs> to support that. The Knicks were. And and Oakley's entire thing is is he's a, he's Michael Jordan's best best friend, and I love him. I don't want there to be any confusion, but yeah. you can't have this current thing go down without knowing that truth. Yeah, exactly, and that's something we took away from a lot. We've been saying it for a while, you know, like Oak is doing this and ja taking jabs at Ewing and stuff because he's he's a little butthurt that he got traded to the Knicks and wasn't on the Bulls, and his best friend is there and. And listen, I'm not saying Ewing's fucking perfect and Ewing's difficult and like, like, uh, I don't think Oak's wrong or Ewing's right or vice versa. I'm saying just know that Charles Oakley's best friend in the world is Michael Jordan. Just own, know that. And by the way, what, what happened to Oak and the way he was treated, and I don't know any of the details, um, you know, there's no justification to doing that, you know, in that fashion. And like, you know, it is what it is, but like, Nick fans, please don't fucking have the wrong narrative on Patrick Ewing. He was, I mean, the day we lost, I think, I guess what, it was, we lost to Toronto, right? That was his last Knicks game, I was there. It was a playoff game, I think we lost in round one to Toronto. 2001, yeah. Yeah, and so I went to that game. This is back to my Nick fandom. It was still lingering in a real way. I was at that game. <laughs> we lost, series over, right? Because we lost Toronto, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, I cried, I'm 26 years old, and I stood there until they kicked me out clapping, saying Patrick Ewing, because in my soul, in my soul, I knew it was over. You knew. I knew. And I'm so glad I did that. It's one of the, you know, the big, great regret of my life is that I didn't meet Randy the Macho Man Savage when it comes to interests. And the great, grateful thing I did ever was stay there for 35 minutes, just clapping, saying his name, 
and just and I'm so glad I went with my intuition because I knew I fucking knew it was over, and I'm glad I got to do that for myself. I'm being selfish for him, for me, for what he did, and we we underappreciate it, and it's really too bad. Yeah, and after that, I mean, it was like an end of an era for the next two. I mean, the last 19 years and counting. It was the so, end, bro. It was I the mean, end, and and there was yeah. a blip here a little bit with little Sheed, little you know, little Shumper. Yeah. There was the glimpses, yeah. but but it, we know that. As Nick fans, it's just it. We want to get back there so bad. That's that's all we're trying to do, and just patience, patience, patience. We will listen. Yeah. Hopefully, we're not the generation like Cub fans that literally went eighty years of their life, died, didn't see it. But like, I believe I really not blindly optimistic, but like, I'd like to think in the next fifty years before I die, the Knicks will win a championship. Man, I hope so. I'm also <laughs> I'm also I'm also buying up on limited amounts of Walt Clyde Frazier and Willis Reed. Hell yeah! To make myself. Hell yeah. All right, I gotta go. I'm super late. Love you guys. Bye. All right. Thanks for stopping by. All right. So Marcus, listening back, still felt pretty good about it. I, yeah, I think it was a it was a good time. You know, uh, he likes what I think he likes to talk. I think that's what people have. <laughs> have learned over the years, but that's why we had him on, you know, he, we, we pushed the right buttons and he was, he was off and running. He had a lot of, a lot of thoughts. So I loved it. Like, and you could tell, I mean, he was a big fan back in the nineties. And that's, it's funny. Cause that's where we all like pretty much started. I mean, Guy loves Patrick Ewing. If there's one thing that you're going to take from the interview. That's I think the biggest takeaway is he loves <laughs> number 33, which is, Music to my ears because Pat's been getting some slander the last I know couple months and we don't stand for that on this podcast. Yeah, and I think every step of the way with the interview, there's nothing that he said that we haven't previously said on the cast and that we don't agree with. So I love that the three of us were, you know, for the most part, all on the same page. And that was great. Yeah, and I think that shows to just, you know, how Nick fans feel. Like we're all in this together. You know, we all are aware of the history. We're aware of the present and hopeful for the future. But it's, you know, it's it's tough. But we want to, we want to, I think we want to get Gary back to watching at least, you know, 80 games a season. And <laughs> yeah. just being pumped to, to be part of, uh, part of the Nick fandom again. And, you know, maybe one day we get to sit courtside with Gary, enjoy some chicken fingers and... Have yeah. a nice laugh and re- reminisce about the time he was on the podcast. So, and you know, Gary, Gary really isn't that much, you know, older than us. But I still kind of hope, you know, twenty years down the road, the way he was talking about Ewing, that would be pretty cool if we could talk about an R.J. Barrett or a Mitch Robinson or whoever might we might get in the draft this year. I want to cool talk into, about those days. You know, I wanted to try to get into more of his thoughts on R.J. because yeah, like 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 you know, I'm a big R.J. fan. You're coming yeah. around. I've, I've really loved RJ. Yeah. So, and you hear him in other talks. He loved like Mitch and RJ. I think he knows are the future of the franchise, and hopefully they don't screw it up. So. Yeah, and you know, it's oh man, gotta have the dogs barking. You're probably gonna hear that always to try and ruin our podcast. But you know what? I'm not gonna let it. I'm not gonna let it today. I'm in a good mood. We had a great interview. Uh, you know, and as as Gary said too, he he wants the Knicks to be good again. He wants to get back into it. It's been really hard the last twenty years. The guy's also a very busy guy, and when you're a diehard Jets fan, first, you know, the Knicks do take a backseat to the Jets in Gary's life. I completely understand. Uh, as a Jets fan too, 
that there's enough issues with with the Jets. So to to add the Knicks on top of that is not easy. It's a life. <laughs> but I think that's a perfect segue into a conversation we just wanted to touch on a little bit today with the Leon Rose interview with Mike Breen, which if there's one takeaway, and I said this to you when I watched it, you got to love Mike Breen. I mean, <laughs> regardless of how you feel about Leon Rose, this, that, that interview just reassured how much I love Breen and Clyde. That was, I that was you the too. only thing that got me to that interview. I was like, if anyone's going to do it, it's got to be Breen. Yeah. Keep things light, you know, have some laughs. He'll try to pull something out of somebody who's not very charismatic and <laughs> just have a good time for 25 minutes. Yeah, and the interview itself, I didn't really have much expectations. It was finally nice to just hear him talk and speak to his new position and some of the things moving forward for the Knicks. But I'll be honest, at the end of the day, he didn't really give us anything. Um, I think I just maybe got to learn a little bit more about him, the person, which, okay, I he seems like a honest, straightforward guy. And I think the most surprising thing was how honest and open he was about relying on the staff that he's bringing in, which I'm actually thrilled about because I've kind of not been that enthusiastic about Leon Rose and the one positive thing that I did like is the hires that he's made. So the fact that he wants to lean on those hires. Okay. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, you put, you bring people in to let them do their jobs and you know, it's not like, yeah, it's yeah. He has the final say on it, but you know, people, you put them in those positions to do what they do best and you hope for the best out of them. But I mean, I mean, I'll be, I'll be real. I, I was a little, he kind of creeps me out a little bit, but and when I finally heard him speak, I never heard his voice before. So that's what, you know, I'm going off of it. Hopefully you all listening to us. You think, Oh, I hear these guys. They sound like fun guys. But when I heard him speak, I was like, okay, I don't know how much confidence I have in him, but maybe his basketball mind is something that will help us down the road and we asked we asked Gary this too just like you know coming from the being an agent is that going to help in your role as the team president and I mean I don't think Gary he said he doesn't really think so but and it's more about the relationships which I think are super important and then when you bring in a guy like World Wide West that's probably he's a VP but that's going to be his role is all the connections, all the people he's connected to in the industry and on like with agents and players, you know, and I feel like that was a great hire. That might be a huge piece moving forward, but something like you heard Stephen A was super, super excited about it. You know, uh, Jay will was super excited about when they talked on first take. And of course, Max, he never knows. He just, just kind of waiting for Dolan to disappear. But I wonder sometimes has has their moment passed ha, passed them by. Like, you know, a lot of these guys, they're into clutch sports and they want to be with LeBron and his guys. Are they still a name in the in the basketball world? So that's a question I have, but I don't know. How those dogs doing? I hear them. <laughs>
Sorry, sorry, technical difficulties. Yeah, they're they're doing great. They're they're really uh, keeping me happy over here. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I wanted to ask you too. I mean, with all these moves and everything else, like, I mean, I was asking in the beginning of the podcast and things like that. Like, how the hell are you? Like, how? It sounds like you're kind of feeling you're feeling good about it. And you know, I'm always the guy who's being negative. Uh, about the Knicks and it's all going to come crashing down and none of this matters. But here I am again. Like I kind of feel good and I, I don't yeah, like I it. Mean, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm lukewarm on it. You know, it's yeah. like, I'm not feeling great, but I'm not feeling bad about it because we kind of just have to wait and see. And you're put, he's putting people in place and that's all you can really ask for. Like, I feel like he's made some good hires so far. It's yeah. just going to be a matter Great of... Great hires. It's it's, I mean, it's safe of, to say that he's made, like, really good hires. Yeah, and I think we've been Everyone excited is, about every piece that's come along. Now, it's up to what are they going to build as a product. And, yeah. you know, like you said, Leon didn't really give us much, but we heard, you know, who, who he's excited about, which was a little... I mean, he mentioned Dennis Smith as someone that he likes. I, I don't know about that, but... Yeah. We've been a little hard on I, him. I think a lot of that too is he's just saying all the right things. All the players that are on the team now, he wants to speak well of. But then at the same time, I think a minute later in the interview, he's talking about how we're going to be aggressive in free agents and trades and making moves. Like they want to, you know, they want to turn this team around and they want to be versatile and they want to be able to adapt quickly. So, and I think you this say is you love these guys, but then you're willing to trade them. So. I think I, yeah, I think this is laying the groundwork for the next two to three years, and we pre- we preach it all the time. We told Gary patience, and yes, we get pull- thrown into a rebuild like every two years. But I feel like this is a good, this is a legitimate restart. Everyone else that was been there before is gone. Let's start all over again. We're in position to you know draft and make moves. So let's see. Let's see what they do. Yeah. And, and yeah. And they've they've already made. Yeah. And I was going to say, what's tough is that I feel like we were here about three years ago or so. And then another three, like, but that's a great point that because of the draft and the moves that we've made and the young pieces that we have and these short-term contracts that we've had, this is a legitimate restart again. So we we can actually build a team starting from right now. There's no excuses unless, okay, if two years down the road, they they fire the coach, whoever they bring in. Yeah, it could all come crashing down. But we do have a good base right now to build the team. It can be an exciting time. As I said before, I like the idea that Leon Rose is going to lean on the talent around him because that's we want to hire a head coach and let him coach. That's what we want. We want our scouts. We want to let them scout. And that's what we want from Dolan. Let everyone do their thing. So maybe with Leon Rose there, he has a good relationship with Dolan. So maybe that will keep him more to the sideline. We might see more of a New York Rangers Dolan. And that's Who, that's kind of like, what I, I wasn't even thinking about that either. Just like, you know, guys that have been there previous, yes, Mills and Dolan go back a ways. But like him and Phil didn't really have a good relationships and now you're bringing in a guy that they have a past 
and then World Wide West knows him too. Like they've had a long relationship, right. so it's like okay, he maybe he trusts these guys to just do what they do, and he stays in the background, and yeah. that's the best we can hope for because we know what has happened in the past, and now I think we just wait and see and. I'm curious how this is all going to shape out. Like, free agency doesn't start until October. Yeah. And the draft is, I think, and it's different how they're doing it now, is they're doing free agency, I think, is before the draft this year. So uh, Because of all the time issues. Yeah, they yeah. flipped it around, which sure. I know people have talked about for a while because it's like you could set your team up first. Yeah, I like then it. then you know who you want to draft. So yeah. it almost makes more sense to do it that way. So. I love that. And, and that's another big thing, too. With the draft coming up, the Knicks don't know what position they have. They don't know who they're going to draft. So there's – it's exciting. It's – you know, during our interview with Gary, there was a big part of the conversation where, you know, we talked about – we love the process. I want to be here when the Knicks turn it around. That's what it's all about. It's all about the process. That's what's fun about being a sports fan. And that's what's at the same time been so frustrating about being a Knicks fan is that we start a process and then we kind of – veer off in another direction way too soon. And every Nick fan feels that way. So we really hope that, Hey, this time it's going to work out. The process now I think has already begun where Leon Rose said in the interview that hopefully by the end of July, they would have a head coach picked, but Leon and the gang already making some moves. <laughs> and there was kind of a surprising one. The, the first one I saw, not as surprising, but I, I kind of liked it. This guy, Jared Harper, played for Auburn. Good little player, man. I remember him during the during March Madness. It's just a two-way contract. I mean, it's one of those dart throws like, hey, why not? Um, you know, I, I specifically remember watching him during March Madness and watching this guy take over games. I'm pretty confident that he brought Auburn to the Final Four uh, that year before he entered uh, the NBA and undersized guy, but the guy was a winner can score. Uh, just, he has like kind of that, that it factor kind of thing. I'm not saying this guy is going to be amazing, but like, why not? I mean, I could see him being a, a New York Nick fan favorite. If he gets some bench minutes and I, I just like the move of what it stands for and the type of guys that they're looking for. So I don't think that's like a big move that shouldn't be on the, you know, the front of the New York post or anything. It's, it's, it's nothing. It, it, honestly, he probably won't be a Nick by the, by mid next season. But the big move I would say is the, uh, addition of, Oh my God. What is this guy's name? Theo Pinson. I, keep, I, always, I have it up. I keep losing it. This guy, Theo Pinson. Uh, hope I'm pronouncing that right. But the real thing is that they had Theophilus. (laughs) That's what it's short for. They waived Alonzo Trier. So, how do you feel about that? Because some Nick fans were really upset last year that Alonzo Trier did not get uh, playing time, and now not an issue anymore because he's not on the team. So, so what do you think about that? We talked about that too, just like as one of the guys we were hoping would get some minutes this year and really get to show it because he didn't play last year for whatever reason. We still don't know. But when he was yep. in there, he was dropping like 15 points in 12 minutes. So it's like, why isn't he playing? And it's kind of crazy that 
he was so we like had so much hype for him his rookie year, and we're like, oh, he's got like that John Starks type of attitude to him and the style that he plays in, and he can heat up at any moment. And now he's gone, so it's it's a little puzzling. And I don't know much about Theo. I know he's coming from the Nets, and you know he seems like the type of guy. Here he's the type of guy, similar type of player. So again, I don't know much about him. So I'm hoping it's not going to come back and bite us that Trier's going to end up on the Nets and he's going to torch us because they're going to give him minutes because Kyrie can't play. So that's <laughs> that's what I'm assuming will happen. But we'll hold out. We'll give him a look. We'll see what we'll see what comes of Theopolis. Theopolis. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't really know him much as a player, um, but I will say about Alonzo Trier, man. We loved him. The guy could score. Um, he was a young talent that we wanted to see grow. But I think he didn't get playing time because he is not a good defender. He's actually an awful defender. Um, so the trade-off and what the Knicks are you know, preaching all of last year, defense, defense, defense. We got a lot of young guys. So they decided to get rid of him. I think Alonzo Trier, I wish him the best. I think he can be a good fit on a team that needs a bench guy to just get you some points. And that maybe has stronger defensive players in that rotation. So I'm not surprised by this. It, it, it kind of sucks because I think we just enjoyed watching him play. And I mean, he was electric and he, and when you have a young talent that could drop 15 points in, in four minutes, you kind of think you really can't find room for this guy. Like, is, you know, it's, it's a little odd, but at the end of the day, there's a much bigger picture with the Knicks and I don't think Alonzo Trier is going to be some superstar at some other team. He He's a piece on a team. And uh, I think it came to uh, uh, money issues as well. Cause I think they freed up like 4.6 million or something like that. So Nick fans, like, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Um, even if we do go see him succeed somewhere else, I, I think this might be comparable to like a Willie Hernan Gomez kind of thing where we loved him as Nick fans and we saw a lot of potential, but no one, no one's asking about uh, what, what Willie's up to. Charlotte, he's not doing much though, man. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm okay with it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over not gonna it. not going to lose any sleep over <laughs> uh, Yeah. I mean, that's, Really about it with with Nick's news out there. There's not much else going on, you know, NBA stuff. Uh, I know you had mentioned the the schedule was released. Yeah, kind of exciting. Well, I mean, See some NBA yeah, stuff. I mean, they got they have everything set up now to come back for the NBA. Yeah, players and everything have agreed to everything, so we're set July 31st, kicking off with uh, the Pelicans and the Jazz and the Lakers and the Clippers going Game One July 31st. So. I mean, and I'm at know, least excited to get some some hoops back. I'm curious yeah. how it's all going to turn out, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you're hearing people coming down with cases, and you know, we're excited. We got we got a month away, and we'll we'll just see what happens. You know, as it gets closer, I'm sure more reports about what's actually going to happen. And I mean, we just we love sports, man. We want to just see it happen. So yeah, and, and I everyone mean, Adam be Silver safe, obviously came out and he said, you know, it's really you're not gonna you're not gonna beat this virus really you know it's just you have to just live with the fact that it's there yeah so how are you going to work around it and i think i mean they're going to be isolated and they're doing the best they can they're going to be testing people every day 
So yep. it's just going to be some mental wear and tear on the guys, I think, because you're just, you know, you're not around your family. You're just kind of stuck in right. Florida. But we're excited to have it back. And people, people want sports to feel good again. And, you know, even they're getting the option if they want to, to like, change the names on the back of their jerseys to say anything they want uh, I heard regards about that, to yeah. uh, social issues. Yeah. And I'm like, I thought, I, well, I didn't say it on the last podcast, but I wrote it down. But it was, you know, do something with the jerseys. Like, if people want to be able to have use that platform, just let them do it. So they could redesign the jerseys if they want to, to say other stuff. So sure, I feel like that's a, a, good, a good move that they're doing there. And... You know, I think they're just they're just ready to go. And starting what this week, July one, I think is when they all start reporting and yep. you know doing some workouts and getting ready to go. So hoops is coming back. And I yeah, and, and and I'm I'm actually kind of glad the Knicks are just out of it. Just I see I see Knox on on Instagram getting stronger. Every you know Frank, my boy Frank, putting in work. So I'm uh, putting up jumpers. Yeah, a couple so of days ago. yeah, Knicks get together as Leon said too. They have, you know, it's worked out in their favor a little bit as they've had more time. This new group to get together, more time to prep for the draft and figure out, you know, just talk about what they want to do as a team and how they want to move forward. So, you know, we're excited as you said to have hoops back, and you know, we'll see how this affects next year. And you know, uh, that's that's all she wrote, man. That's. We'll just wait and see. We'll see how it goes. Um, can I, can, right, I can I tell something out there that I just saw come across <laughs> that I think sure. you might? So uh, an old it, friend is drawing free agent interest from several teams. And there's talks maybe the Knicks might be interested, but we feel like he should go elsewhere. Lance Thomas. I mean. people People I'm, are looking for him. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I know you yeah. love him, so let's... I love Lance. I mean, I I do recall though before he left the Knicks, he was struggling a little bit, and I don't know if he kind of hit a cliff. But hey, locker room guy, teach some of these young guys how to box out and just play two way basketball. Yeah, absolutely, get him on that roster. Get him on the coaching staff. I don't care. I need... <laughs> if you got Lance Thomas in your locker room, man, you're you're doing something right. Just want, just want to throw that out there, too. Yeah, yeah, dude, I love Lance Thomas. I, I mean, he's he reminds me, yeah. I mean, how many Eddie references do I have to make? But John John Sally and Eddie Lance Thomas, a lot of – he's just that guy, you know? He's the glue. He's the, he's the glue. Oh, man. All right, dude. Episode 40 in the books. Very special episode. Um, another shout-out to Gary V. Um just appreciate you. Throw him some kudos. We love throwing kudos around here. Um, really a strong move to, to join us and talk with him. Uh, I hope we get to do it again. It was really fun. There's just so many more questions uh, we, we wanted to ask. We had like a whole long list and, you know, 30 minutes is just flying like that. Bye bye. So we'll see. We'll see. Marcus, always a pleasure. Episode 40. I'll see you episode 41. This has been Let's Talk Knicks podcast. We'll talk to you next time.